Do you, listener, take Potterless to be your lawfully wedded podcast? You do? Great! Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, here at Multitude, we are very excited to announce that we have a new 2019 edition of the Multitude Listener Survey! If you go to multitude.production slash survey, you can help us out with a lot of things. Just asking you a few questions about you as a person, you as a podcast listener, you as a Potterless and slash or other Multitude Shows fans. It's going to help us in a ton of ways. First off, we're trying to do more live shows and we want to know where you are, so it's very important important for us to know what cities you live in so we can figure out what kind of tour would make sense. Also, we're trying to do new merchandise, so that is helpful for us to know what merchandise you like, what merchandise you wish Potterless or the other shows had, and also just gives us a better sense of who you are as listeners, which helps us in a lot of different ways, such as getting new advertisers and sponsors, which helps us be sustainable and make this our job, because this is our job, and it's kind of scary, but it's really helpful for us to understand who you are as a listener. And finally, you can give feedback on all of the shows. We constantly want to be improving these shows, especially especially for Potterless, where I'm in this new phase where I'm not used to doing this type of episode and things are changing and I don't have a strict format to do anymore. I want to know what you're looking for in the future Potterless episodes, from structure to topics to guests, all kind of stuff like that. I really want to make sure that I'm making the best podcast possible for you, the listener. So if you go to multitude.production slash survey, it will help me make the podcast better for you. So really, you're helping yourself and everyone else. Look at that. Again, multitude.production slash survey. It won't take more than 10 minutes. I would really appreciate it if you took the time to fill it out. And speaking of things I really appreciate, we have new patrons to welcome to the team, so shout out to Selena Colazual, Nick Amon, Kristen Crassy Sassy, Ronald Kikeline, Evan Kleinschmidt, Amy Silknitter, Fire Whiskey and Honey, Anna Karpowitz, Joseph Spaziano, Brea Peters, Yvonne, Rosie Roland, Brianna Moore, and Francesca, and shout out to Brittany Gutierrez, who upgraded to the producer level status. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rosemarie, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Rosanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zach, Zachary Orchid, Vivian Takari, Haley Moster, Angelina Ross Marie, Alex Brian, Caitlin Grace Raul, Ingen Mari, Alex John Noel, Tao, Emily Robin, Will Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah Claire, Gloria, Sarah Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujanetta, Tumnus, Remy, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Colleen, Harlan, Sheldrop, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Sky, Mart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Callahan, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Vile, Itzel, Mitch, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Edel, Kelsey, Ellie, Professor Threat, Kelly, Alubin, Maleo, Lena, Daniel, Rebecca, Lili, Lee, Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Kara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Andrea, Courtney, Sparkle Cat, Carrie, Jamie, Lissy, Camillo, Connie, Janet, Mary, Imo, Malin, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Artemis, Lubin Maleo, Brett, Connor, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermani, Lior, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Malena, Marcos, Ellis, Steam Nuggets, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marike, Ashton, Can't I Potter? And yes, I can. Who never accidentally turn off the microphone while they're doing karaoke and not realize it until there's only 30 seconds left in the song. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to exclusive live streams, bonus episodes, discounts on the merch store, my notes, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 92 of Potterless, the third look back covering episodes 13 through 21 of Potterless guest starring a bunch of people. Hello, internet, and welcome back to 
to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who finally finished the Harry Potter series in 2019. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and we're continuing to look back through the old episodes of Potterless, and today we'll be starting off with episodes 13 and 14 of Potterless, which covered chapters 1 through 10 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and I was joined by my good vine friend, David Tress. David, how's it going? It's going great. I'm happy to be uh, back, happy to revisit this specific section of these books. Your favorite part of the books. Yeah, my absolute favorite part of the books. Uh, and yeah, just relive them one last time because I can't get enough of this uh, Quidditch World Cup. Uh, just everyone loves it. It's universally the most acclaimed part of the series. Yeah. <laughs> Truly enjoyable. When you first like pitched me on this idea, I was like, oh, I, I love this idea because I think it's like so fun because there's so much stuff that you you miss on your first read mm -hmm. and like i'm sure that the vast majority of your fans people listening are people who had read the story and were, were like very very interested for you to piece together those context clues like once you get to the right. appropriate place in the story but i was like kind of worried that our section didn't have a lot of that i asked <laughs> i asked my friend kylie who's like a big fan of the show and she like I'm not very much someone who has like every detail of the books committed to memory. So I was like, uh, I don't know if I could like listen back to our episodes and then remember what I was omitting mm -hmm. or like what I wasn't talking about or like even what was pertinent to later on in the books. But she like reminded me that there there is some good stuff in our section as far as like yeah. a little bit of foreshadowing and some fun predictions that you made. Okay, cool. So yeah, listening back, what stood out? What were the gems? What were some fun bits? Okay, so it starts this, we both really liked the first chapter, which is, uh, I think it was called The Riddle House. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's one of the like not from Harry perspective chapters. Yeah, yeah. You get the outside muggle perspective from this chapter. It starts with the riddles being murdered and and then the groundskeeper was uh, like held and questioned by the homicide detectives at first. And then they like let him go because <laughs> of the insane detail that there was nothing wrong with the bodies outside of them being dead. It was it's like one of the this like yep. this turn of phrase Couldn't that she find, uses yep, that just you know, doesn't... there was no scars on them. <laughs> yeah, there were like no scars, no like, uh, I don't know what's wrong with them. They're just not alive anymore. And so they couldn't like <laughs> hold this guy. They couldn't convict him of a crime. Because there's no way to murder someone except by physically harming them to death. I don't know. You have no idea. If you ever poison someone, you can get away with it because it doesn't look like anything happened. Right. Yes. I don't. I, I have no idea what was happening there. But... What we do learn is later on, Voldemort returns to that house and he's mm -hmm. he's staying there with Wormtail, Peter Pettigrew, mm -hmm. and the the groundskeeper like continues to live there and he overhears a big conversation and that's about like Bertha Jorkins and the Crouches, which is all I think, you know, that that stuff is becomes significant later on and right, is, right. is even like significant later in this section because we there's a part during the World Cup where we meet Winky. Yes. And Winky actually is with Barty Crouch Jr. I think he's under the invisibility cloak. Is that right? Yes, okay. that is true. One of the fun things about this series is like when those pieces start falling together. And that's definitely like right. the big one of this section. And then he like escapes. He steals Harry's wand when they're in that the box where they're watching the World Cup. Yeah, this is one of the ones looking back because this is the whole, I, you have no idea that he's there. And then right. later on, when you even learn about him, he's presumed dead. 
So this is a chapter going back where you can actually see, oh, we actually know there was someone inside of an invisibility click the whole time. So that makes rereading this a whole new experience. Totally. I do remember one of the early chapter things being this is the uh, the mention that PlayStations exist yes. in the Harry Potter universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dudley has a PlayStation. Yep, Dudley has a PlayStation. <laughs> one of the very few muggle name brand things that gets dropped. Yeah, it's like maybe the only branded item that like appears in the entire series, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember anything. Only real branded thing. Yeah, right. I think. Uh, obviously, you've got like the Firebolt and stuff. But sure, exactly. Very strange for all of a sudden to very specifically say PlayStation and not video game system, which makes me think it's a little bit of JK Rowling as a mom where she just assumes video games are all PlayStations. <laughs> yes, that was the point in time where like the Nintendo stopped being used as the universal name for all video games and like mm-hmm. the PlayStation became so popular. Right. Yeah, because like a big part of the books was that like she wrote them for her kids originally, too. So I'm sure she was like, hey, guys, I know what's cool. The PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> she plugs that in. Crash Bandicoot, am I right? There's a tremendous amount of recap, too, because Ugh, like truly. we read 10 chapters. And I think like mm-hmm. the second and third, I think, are like primarily just recapping what had happened in the series thus far. Yeah. But yeah, then they go to the World Cup and we get like. The thing that you and I were both like most hyped over, I think, in this entire section that we get to see like some of the fun conceptual magic stuff. So we get to hear about the tent, which is like a little dinky, like one person tent that you go inside of it. And then it's like this three bedroom flat. Right. And then there's the Omni Oculars, I think they're called. Omni Oculars, which are still one of the coolest things in the whole series. That was super sweet. Yeah, very cool. I wanted to ask you, now that you've uh, finished all seven books, do you have like a favorite if you could have any of these magical items that that JK has invented over the course of these stories, which what would it be? I mean, wand, I think, is the low hanging fruit. Easy <laughs> the choice. Is, yeah, the <laughs> wand is hard to beat. Let's get rid of wand and broom because that's very right. easy and, and more of just like wizardry. I think the omnoculars are the top choice. It would just make watching live sports really fun. And basically, you would have the ability to be at a live sporting match and not have to pay for really good seats, but then get the experience of having really good seats, which would be really nice. You could sit up in the nosebleeds, but then put them on and then it feels like you're a lot closer up. I like imagining you at the Knicks game with the omnioculars, like very (laughs) smugly, like while refs are reviewing a call, you already know. You're like, nah, I I checked it already. (laughs) Like, I know that that was a come on. It was a three-pointer, not a (laughs) two-pointer. Now the Knicks are only losing by 68 points. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we get all of that like fun Uh culture stuff that's probably my favorite section of this because you start to hear about different um, schools and stuff that's where they kind of set up some of the schools that you're going to meet in the triwizard tournament yeah this is the first like real fleshing out of the series which is fun and and expanding the universe beyond just the school because the first three books are really just hogwarts we don't meet too many new characters And this one, it introduces a muggle perspective in the first chapter. It introduces the Wizarding World as a whole in terms of everyone coming to the World Cup. So the whole Wizarding World, you're right, it brings up the other schools. So this is the first time things are really fleshed out beyond magic happens at the schools and also in these two areas where you can buy things, Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. And this time they really give more depth to things beyond what we've known so far. I think that's really fun. Which sort of laid the groundwork for... uh 
the stuff that you get to like move on to with Potterless's future, like the crimes of yeah. Grindelwald. <laughs> that great stuff. Well, and I know that, I think it's rumored right now, but I know that Universal has talked about opening, I think like a third Harry Potter park at the their new like epic theme park. Yeah, they're making a new world, which to me is ridiculous because there's so many parts of the existing Universal world that are just unused or no one cares <laughs> right. about. Like, is anyone going to Seuss Landing anymore? Oh, I don't think so. I didn't even know that Seuss Landing was a thing. It's part of Islands of Adventure, just like a whole Dr. Seuss themed thing, oh, wow. which basically all you need to know about it is that it's in between Hulk and Harry Potter world, the only two things worth doing at Islands of Adventure. Right. So it's just something that you're passing through. 100%. So they have all these parts of the parks that could be repurposed, but I guess it's easier to build something new than demolish and rebuild something that exists. Yeah, but I think the one that is rumored is that I think they're going to do like Paris. Is that right? I'm not sure. Yes, I don't know. Paris would be interesting. I didn't feel like Paris was that wizardy in the second mm. movie of Fantastic Beasts. I saw it and that movie sucked. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't feel particularly compelled by it. But hey, Disney made a whole Avatar world. So who's to say? That's true. <laughs> Clearly, movies don't have to be good to get theme parks themed after them. Right. It is very funny, though, that there is like this theme park that's scheduled to be open in like 2024 or whatever it's like they're like latching on to this uh i think like kind of universally just at least like a milk toast kind of reaction from the hardcore yeah. fans uh to it no one's really <laughs> going to the mat for grimes of grindelwald no. like it got a 40 something on rotten tomatoes and everyone was like yeah that's about right yeah the grindelwald heads are not gonna show up in force <laughs> for that but uh anyway getting back to the world cup initially when quidditch was introduced to you you were kind of interested in it i thought it could be cool yeah. it's soccer on brooms yes what's not to love and then we get the the most insane <laughs> quidditch match of all time because it like so quickly devolves away because i don't think that there really is any sort of that narrative within a narrative thing that makes the other matches compelling because what's going on is that they are sort of focusing on the match itself and then they're really focusing on the mascots, which is kind of funny. Ugh, a lot. It's like one of the wilder things in the books, but like one of the main storylines for that match is that the Bulgarian mascots make the ref so horny that he like can't <laughs> officiate the match properly. <laughs> <laughs> and that he like misses all of these illegal plays. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just so funny that that's happening at the like highest level of stage of that sport. <laughs> so, so funny. Oh, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. The whole game seemed like a way for J.K. Rowling to try to get back at people saying this scoring system doesn't make sense. And rather than her fix it, she was like, no, no, no. I'm going to show how you can catch the snitch and still lose in this ridiculous scenario that I will never buy it ever. Where everyone's like, oh, Crumb let his ego, blah, blah, blah. Dog, it's the World Cup. It's the final. It's the most important game. Yeah. You're going to do what it takes to win. You're not going to be like, oh, with my pride, we'll only lose by 10. Like, oh, it's, it's so silly. Yeah. Because it's just something that's so obviously that sport exists for like a single season and then coaches and teams start to game plan for that specific scenario mm -hmm. it, and it's just yeah it, it, it makes no sense but yeah i think you and i are we're both like very very pro the mascots taking the center stage yes. and just like a mascot love that war. way more fun to watch than quidditch would be just every 
country's mascot dueling. Yes, because uh, yeah, because they were it was the Vila were the Bulgarian mascots, and then mm-hmm. uh, leprechauns, which is maybe a little stereotypical. Leprechauns yeah. that spelled insults. <laughs> yeah, they did. Like, they basically the fish from Finding Nemo. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were this like sentient cloud of leprechauns that would <laughs> spell out. Uh, like lol whenever um, the Irish team was doing well. And then they go back to uh, the Weasley's house for another Mm -hmm. just like nothing chapter. There's a lot of like unnecessary just like downtime in these these early chapters. A lot of just downtime, a lot of just hanging out. They play three on three Quidditch with like Bill and Percy and Charlie, I think. I think Hermione might get in the mix. Yeah. It's rough. I remember being frustrated by the recapping and what you're saying here, just the hanging out stuff that doesn't matter. Because yes, for the first two books, when I made episodes of Potter Else, I did a bunch of chapters, but pretty much for the most part in Prisoner of Azkaban, I couldn't do more than three to four chapters per episode. That held through for Prisoner of Azkaban. But then when I got to Goblet of Fire, again, it was just reading, being like, what? Uh, what is going on? Yeah. And especially this section, because the two episodes we did, one through five, and then six through 10. And then immediately after, it's 11 through 13, 14 through 16. So like, it gets right back to it. It's just the beginning of this book really could have had the fat trimmed out of it. Right. And I think like, the reason that I'm sure that you could only do a few chapters at a time for Prisoner of Azkaban is it's like that book is so rich and so loaded. That's like my favorite book in the series. Yeah. And I think it's just like really, really well paced and tight and exciting and just, you know, cool stuff is happening uh, on every page. And then uh, Goblet of Fire is much more. I wouldn't call it a slog. At the time that I first read it, I was just like, oh, anything Harry Potter, I'm just going to eat up. And the more of it, the better. I think that a lot of like hardcore fans, obviously, like the longevity of the series kind of bears out that people just like, oh, I just want as much of this as possible. Yeah. Reading it with like a more modern sensibility of like how pacing should be handled. It is just like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think JK was in an interesting spot because the, the the series really had grown at this point. I've heard a lot of people say that they started with book four and then went back. Yeah. So I, I think that th- after three, it really probably popped off and four might have been the first book where a lot of people were, were starting into the series. So I get that she had to do a lot of recap and then also she had to expand the world and that's what kind of makes it slow in the beginning but just that combination is a little rough and then you've got quidditch in the mix and you just have a (laughs) recipe for at least to me personal disaster but i think that's what made this fun is when i asked you to be on the show because i think i had asked you like what's your favorite book or chapters or whatever and i think you said that you enjoyed the end of three but then you said but i really hate the beginning of four and i was like ooh, because at this point the podcast was so young that i i was doing different things where i had someone who was really funny someone who was really Really nerdy, someone who's a mix of the two. You were the first person. I was like, oh, this would be fun to get someone. I later on did someone who doesn't like the books, but the precursor to that was you who enjoys the series doing chapters that you actively dislike. <laughs> yes. And I thought that would be very fun. <laughs> it is funny because now this is like I've I've thought and like taken notes on this chapter. So this is easily the <laughs> part of the series that I'm most familiar with and also that I like the least. So I do uh, thank you for uh, that. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, it. I hate these chapters and now I know everything (laughs) about them.
Oh, man. Well, thanks so much, David, for being on the show way back when. It was a hoot and a half to have you then. And it's good to have you back now, you know, recapping it and and talking about it. And uh, it's fun to see where things had gone. And I'm glad to see that you're doing well. And we both tweet about the WNBA a lot and things are great. Yeah. Oh, that is the other thing that changed. I, I say like early on, I'm like, oh, I'm not a sports fan at all. And I really don't like Quidditch. And now, uh, you know, in no small part, uh, thanks to your other podcast, Horse, I'm like a huge NBA yeah. fan. I'm like obsessed. Good. It's very good. And it's very fun. And everyone should listen to Horse. And also tonight, I'm going to a WNBA game. I'm seeing the Liberty play the Mercury because Diana Taurasi talks a lot of trash. And I want to see it Ooh, in person. That's fun. Have a good time, my friend. It should be good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining on. And uh And I'll catch you later. Bye. Okay, so now we move on to episodes 15 and 16 of Potterless, which covered chapters 11 through 16 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And I was joined by a good Vine friend of mine, Jake Kilroy. Jake, how's it going? It's going pretty swell, Mike. You had mentioned that listening back, just the stark difference between like where Potterless was then versus now is just ridiculous to you. Like what kind of things made it clear in the episodes? First of all, how many people hit me up on Twitter? <laughs> Mostly positive and then one or two had been like, this guy's a fucking idiot. And I was like, oh, uh, what is this about? That's every guest. And anytime I see someone slandering a guest, I always try to go out of my way to yell at them because it's just... <laughs> First off, it's not productive. Rather than talk about the guests you don't like, just talk about the ones you do like. Instead of saying, oh, I hate Jake Kilroy, be like, I really enjoyed Kelly. I don't get why people have to jump to the negative. Dude, but then also... I respect that. <laughs> but also, like, you're being so kind to be on the show, and you did not sign up for criticism of the show. I'm the one that's making the podcast. I should be getting all the criticism. Don't make fun of my guests. I understand not everyone's going to like every guest, but... Just saying nice things about the ones you like instead of mean things about the ones you didn't. I don't understand how that is so hard. The internet is wild, but also I like loved it because I like wasn't totally sure what it would it would, I, it would take me like a second to figure out what this was in regard to because it'd just be like Jake doesn't understand like broom like the broom mechanics of like why things can fly and I'd just be like what how did I what am I even talking what is this in regard to and then I have to trace it back to Potterless because uh, that was so long ago and it feels kind of like I was on like a friend's dope rap mixtape and then has since blown up super big. And so it's like (laughs) people are going through like the old stuff and being like, yo, this guy didn't spit too many hot bars. Uh, But no, everyone was super sweet. And people uh, would then be like, Jake Killer was totally right about Snape. And I'd be like, okay, well, this one's obviously in regard to pause. But it'd just be like, I'd be suddenly in the middle of a conversation that... Uh, would have many people involved on Twitter. And uh, so that is, when that started happening, that's when I was just like, oh, things have definitely changed for Mike and Potterless. And now I use your name at restaurants to get faster table. Oh, hell yeah. I'll take it. Let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, like, you listen back to the actual episodes. What kind of fun gems or nuggets of, of fun were in those two episodes we did? <laughs> Dude, since then, I might have come around close to you on Quidditch where I don't think it makes sense, but I still think it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But even talking about the game mechanics of that sport, I think I lean towards it's anarchy. Right. <laughs> and then also us talking about Ron having like pretty weird violent fantasies and also like a dark side of Ron starts coming out, like a dark edgy side of Ron. Was it because he wanted to beat up Victor Crumb or something? I'm going to get this wrong and I'm going to get hit up on Twitter about it. But he like, he's like in love with Victor Crumb and he doesn't like Cedric Diggory because he's too handsome. And then he also, yeah, wants to push... Malfoy off like a glacier. Right. Oh, right. He does say that. He slams the door so hard. I think on the Hogwarts Express that he breaks 
the window on it and Hermione yes, is like yeah he does you gotta chill out and Ron's response is like he's not getting to me and it's just like you just broke an entire <laughs> window dude and then he starts like saying really snarky stuff to uh, teachers and doing like the fake coughing thing and he's basically be- trying to become like a pseudo cool kid from like 80s high school movies <laughs> a lot of a lot of things happening for Ron I, so that cracks me up because yeah in the first few books he's just sort of like hungry and he just <laughs> says says things like wow golly harry you can't do that and then it's like in this one he's just like he's talking about murdering people yeah he kind of like leveled up like real quick which sets the tone for him the rest of the uh series i feel like i think so hungry stays throughout though yeah he never loses his hunger no he's like brad pitt in the oceans movies always needs to be eating and always eating right 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 another thing now that you've finished it uh and actually this is like the main thing that i've been looped in on twitter is that everyone coming to say that they agree with me that Snape is still not redeemed in the end. Like that was one thing where I was like the always shit. Uh So wait, what is your takeaway from Snape in the end now? I just, I just think that he had a very rough upbringing and I'm not trying to discredit it, but I don't think it excuses his actions. I think he was in a tough situation in that he didn't have a lot of friends and he upset the only true friend he had in Lily, but no one forced him to join the death eaters. And I know he's in a tricky situation with the Voldemort thing and the Dumbledore thing and being at the school and all of that. And I can understand even having a grudge towards Harry, Lily, James, whatever. But when he goes out of his way to make fun of Hermione, which happens in the chapters after that we did, as well as his treatment of Neville, the fact that Neville's Bogart is Snape, when Neville has such a ridiculous life going on, you would think it would be Bellatrix. Bellatrix is who basically eternally hospitalized Neville's parents, you would think that would be his Bogart, but no, it's Snape. So it's just things like that where he is just unnecessary. And we see some characters with bad upbringings overcome it, namely Harry Potter. So I don't think it's an excuse. I think I I understand it. And I just think he's a shitty person. Dude, that's the best summary I've heard of that character. And also, Mike, you're very empathetic. And I love that. (laughs) I try try to do what I can. I've had a lot of conversations with people about it. and, And I see some of Snape's merits. I just think that the bad outweighs the good. And if you're a 40 year old man, you should get over certain things. I, I think he's a very interesting and fun character, but I don't think he's a good dude. Yes. He's complex for sure, but I don't I don't believe that there's enough good for people to think like, oh, well, you know, you got to give it. Nah, he's shitty towards children. He's a professor. When you're a professor, you have extra impetus to be a good role model for your students and he just doesn't do that man that's a good ass takeaway on this podcast this is a good psa (laughs) see how far i've come from oh lol quidditch is bad (laughs) mike you're so wise after reading this whole series (laughs) look you know i read seven books now and i'm a genius uh what's the thing that surprised you most about the series oh man that's a good question thanks man oh harry being a horcrux that i did not see that one coming at all i never could have predicted that in a million years i thought that was a really fun plot twist nice i thought that was really good yeah that made things a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. in a very cool uh life or death way yeah also in these episodes i'm looking at the episode description is that you started to defend dobby because at this point i was incredibly (sighs) anti-dobby later on i learned why he's so good and i'm supremely pro dobby now (laughs) but you're kind of the first person where i pushed back against dobby and you defended him a bit which Uh. i found baffling (laughs) at the time i know dude dobby goes out like a fucking gangster such a boss such a boss Uh. I love how even his death, which is brutal, is so cute at the same time. I don't want to mm-hmm, minimize mm-hmm. it, but it's just like, man, 
Just Dobby was so sweet. It's just he was so he was so pure. He really was. He really was. He comes around so hard for me, and <laughs> I I'm so glad that I'm a big unabashed Dobby lover now. But at the time, I mean, he was annoying in these books before he becomes good with yeah. the whole winky thing, which happens later on in book four or early book five. Uh, it's he sucks up until then. Oh yeah, and then oh, we got to talk about the whole like house self liberation of uh, right. Hermione. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite subplots. I, it's an interesting subplot because I I feel like it didn't really have as much as a payoff as it should. It totally didn't. It was a lot of buildup for something where it never had a big defining moment except for, I guess, that eventually the house elves really like the kids and they join in on the, on the final battle. But I guess there was a bit of a disconnect between so much spew stuff and then it was such a long delay before that spew stuff really materialized into anything. Actually, that's a good point. When you put it in the perspective of Hermione unknowingly doing military recruitment, uh, (laughs) now I'm less stoked on it. But it's just like, uh, that was one of the subplots where there was like a few things that were just kind of like antics. I feel like that one was one that was legitimately character-driven outside of Harry. Right. Yes, I agree. Where it wasn't just her like being her responding to something that was happening even though that was it was just it wasn't in the incident it became like this long kind of like uh simmering thing where it's just like yeah her mind's kind of doing this while we're you know doing this other stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also in these episodes i know there were two other things one of which it was the first mention of professor vector who teaches arithmancy who i will still defend as i want to know more about that class i want to know more about that professor right i feel like vector got the short end of the stick <laughs> and the other thing that i've mentioned in these episodes that I've gone on to say a lot and has become sort of a joke of Potterless is this was the first mention of me saying that I took Latin in high school. Dude, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> what do you have to what do you have to bring up about? No, mostly I was like trying to take notes of like things that stood out to me. And I wrote Mike knows Latin with like five question marks. <laughs> It became a running joke with the podcast because part of what makes Potterless, I think, fun is that I have a lot of different guests, but that also makes it challenging because at the point of which I'm recording, there were some parts in Potterless where I was so far ahead that I will have said things that were in recorded episodes but not released ones. And that comes to bite me in the butt a little bit with some of the recording because I end up telling multiple guests in succession the same thing. Uh, so there was definitely a span of the podcast where I told every guest for about four episodes in a row that I took Latin in high school. That's so good. Because <laughs> I had to preface it. So then it just became the joke of like, we get it, Mike. You took Latin in high school. <laughs> Dude, here it's totally relevant with I destroy as I speak, which mm-hmm. we talked about being the most metal thing ever about Harry Potter. Right. Incredible. That was something I like didn't know. I probably should have read more into those curses. The fact that it's like has a real source of language and me as a writer, that's not good. <laughs> that I was just like, look at these nonsense words. It's like, actually, this is the basis of all language. Like, well, that's not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I only knew to look out for it because A, Latin verbs have a certain way of looking, but B, Julia Shafini was on very early in the show, and when the whole Lupin stuff came down, Lupin's name effectively translates to moon, 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 wolf, moon, moon. There's so many moon slash wolf clues in regards to his name and stuff, so I had my my ears perked up a little bit from then on out. Pretty into the phrase wolf moon clues as a band name or whatever. Ooh, wolf moon clues. That's a good one. Feel free to use that as your band name and credit Jake Gilroy. Uh, but yeah, was there anything else in the episodes that stood out? Anything else you took note of? The only other things was like us 
dogging on Malfoy for being the laziest bully in the world. He's an awful bully. Yeah, this book really shows how truly horrific he is. Yeah, it's not, he doesn't do anything because the way he's like presented is super monstrous, but that's also because of his parents being mm-hmm. legitimate uh, monstrous people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like later on, like in Order of the Phoenix, you kind of find out that he's not that monstrous. He's kind of just scared of his dad, which is fair. Yeah, he becomes a little more complex as it goes on. Yeah. I really feel like they could have fleshed that out a little bit better totally. in the last book because there's a few instances of him not being okay with the Death Eaters plan and stuff like that. And it really doesn't come to any defining moment where Malfoy stands up against it. He just kind of becomes not okay with it anymore. And I felt like that was a bit more of a setup towards, again, something that didn't really have a big reveal in the end. That's the thing. He turns out to be okay in the flash forward. Is he in the flash forward? Oh, in the very end uh, at the epilogue? Yeah. Yeah, he's like bringing his kid who he's named Scorpius uh, to his, the school, but that's about fucking it. fucking kid named Scorpius? Scorpius. That's the most metal thing about Harry Potter now. <laughs> and then I haven't read The Cursed Child. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. A problem with Cursed Child with a lot of the characters is that they kind of reduce them to things where they lose some of the development. So Ginny kind of loses all of her fun, sassy development that happens in six and seven. And Draco kind of reduces. He's all right in Cursed Child. He's a concerned father, but he starts off as classic Draco that hasn't matured. So in the beginning of Cursed Child, he's very much Draco like he is throughout most of the series. And that kind of sucks because you would have hoped that given the arc of where he went towards the end of the books he would have turned into a better person but then at the start of Cursed Child he's like grumpy grumpy ministry blah 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 I'm uh, Draco kind of thing <laughs> so he kind of just reverts back to what he used to be which is a bit of a shame dude okay man I'm really curious to know that. yeah I mean you can check it out I it's Cursed Child's alright it's just the play itself I saw and it was really fun the plot is just lacking and unfortunately plot is really important for stuff <laughs> These are good. This is another good PSA. Very true. Very accurate. <laughs> Hot takes here on the Potterless podcast. Yeah. Plot is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jake, thank you so much for being on the show way back when. Thanks for, for coming back now. Thank you so much for having me. And also, uh, I, I have to say, building a community around uh, literature, I think, even if it's just like the one series, uh, it's a pretty rad thing to be able to do. It's sort of like a massive massive book club it's pretty dang delightful yeah it's really cool i mean obviously harry potter already had an incredible fandom and community foster before i got in the mix but i think it's been really fun to do something where i can contribute to that community with something where i came in and my whole idea for the show was oh because i'm an adult and because i haven't read the books as a kid i'll be able to bring a new perspective and thankfully that has manifested and some of it a little bit is with thinking about things critically and constructively but at the very least people are making lots of jokes now based off of the podcast and stuff but it's been fun to to spark that discussion and like you said with people that previously were strangers to me and now I would consider friends just like with me and you and Vine and stuff like that. True. You meet people on the internet through this and it's really cool. And then I get to see some of those people in real life at live shows or conventions or whatever. And it's super fun. And it's always entertaining to discuss the series in different ways. And we'll never run out of stuff to talk about. And that's super fun. And like a book club, like you said. That's rad. Yeah, that's pretty terrific to be able to do. And also it is funny to see uh, posts about Potterless where it's just like, yeah, like you're the reference point where it's like, again, like a celebrity where it's, has everyone noticed that Mike always 
jokes about this thing. It's just like, and everyone will talk about it. It's like that you're the focal point. Now you're part of like the lore that surrounds it in some regard. So it's pretty cool. It is wild. I'm glad you think it's cool. I think it's fun and I, I'm still getting used to it, but it's really cool. And I just enjoy that everyone is so accepting. And I'm glad that most people that have reached out to you on the internet have been nice. And I hope <laughs> no one ever says anything mean to you ever again. Dude, no, the thing is like, I also, sorry, I should also like clarify that like, I reached out to, like the people who would hit me up directly to like tell me I was wrong about certain characters and stuff. We would have like discussions about it and they all turned out to be dope. It was just like funny to be I'm like a fully grown <laughs> man and just like checking my Twitter for like, I don't know, for freelance writing jobs and stuff like that. And someone's just like, you were wrong about Snape, you idiot. And it's like, <laughs> OK, I, now I'm going to have a, a long conversation with like this teenager about this book i read many many years ago so it's like everyone turns out to be like dope but it's just like funny that there was a few that's just like you're so fucking stupid <laughs> i love it i love that thing about the internet and also that everyone like has reasons for also there was like good discussions too yeah there are a lot of good discussions and it is fun i i have been able to be in that classic thing where someone tweets something shitty or emails me something mean and then i reply and then immediately they say oh i didn't think you'd actually reply i actually think the podcast is great yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> Which I don't, I don't process those people. Yeah. Who's out here just going to spew some shit and then tag me in it and then be, oh, I didn't think you'd see it. Just kidding. I'm not actually that angry. Why yeah. did you do this? I don't know. Go for a walk. <laughs> Lift a weight. I'm pretty blown away. Dude, especially like when I used to, when I used to write for Tastemade, like I'd get so many emails from high school students and like college students and it would just be like, like you were raised by the dumbest people alive if you don't think that Dunkaroo slapped. And it was just like, <laughs> all right. I we can talk about this and it's like fuck you your taste buds are bullshit and it's just like hey man I can see this and they're like oh sorry I just like uh, and then like back up but it's like I was obviously gonna read my email <laughs> but dude that shit cracks me up because it's like again there's no like consequence not like arguing about politics or like things that so like it always mm-hmm. it does make me laugh when someone has like a strongly negative opinion they're just like we gotta fucking talk about this and then it's like you go you kind of reply to them they're just like oh. Hey, I didn't know you would see this when I sent this to you directly. What's up, man? On the flip side, I do every now and then get some really sweet messages where people will say, I bet you're not going to see this, but which is really cool because then it's really nice stuff. And I usually see them on every platform except for Instagram. Instagram DMs are the worst because they're so hard to sort. And you know how you can react to people's stories? That counts as a message. Right. So I'm just in a constant state of having 99 plus requests for messages. Oh, my God. Because it just, I don't know, I could make a story with a funny joke, like if there's a picture of something violently purple, and then I put on the story, like, look, violently purple shoes. And I will get at least... 50 people replying with just the laughing crying emoji which that's cool i'm glad you're reacting glad you're interacting i don't want that to show as a message because if i post that and then there's 30 things of people laugh crying as a reaction and then (laughs) message 31 is someone saying potterless is really good and it got me through some rough times and i want to read that and be able to respond and say thank you so much i'm Uh, glad the show could help but then i get lost in the crying laughing emojis it sucks so uh, i'm able to see pretty much everything instagram dms are hard but i try to check them every now and then and to to make sure those don't get through. So yes, in addition to people making, oh, I didn't think you would see this angry stuff. Sometimes you get positive ones and those are the best. Oh. Those are the best. Man, again, the takeaway here is that you are super empathetic and I'm glad that you've been running this uh, little fan, this little quadrant of uh, the giant fandom. That's extremely, extremely cute. Thanks, man. I've come a long way from when I started and I've learned a lot from people who listen to the show and people in the industry and, and stuff like that. So I've grown a lot as a person from this process <gasps> and uh, it's good to have. It's really, it's been fun. Aw, mm-hmm. I can't 
can't wait to see what you do next and what kind of community you build from there. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But uh, Jake, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for being on now. And uh, I'll see you sometime soon, bud. Yeah, I definitely got to make it east, dude. Super stoked to do this. Do Super stoked to talk to you always. Mm-hmm. Catch you later, homie. Later, bud. Oh, past Mike. I bet you're really excited to say something along the lines of, and now for our next guest. But before you can do that, we got to take a little bit of time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Powerless is brought to you by Perfect Snacks. Let's say hypothetically that you are creating look-back episodes for your Harry Potter-themed podcast, and you're scheduling a lot of 15-minute recording sessions throughout the day with lots of different people who all live in different time zones, and your schedule is an absolute mess. But you still want to be able to work out and have fuel afterwards, and how are you going to be able to do it on the go? You can't go home and make your protein shakes with milk and powder like you normally do. You need something that you can grab on the go, and you want it to taste good unlike most protein bars. What are you going to do? You're going to get a Perfect Bar from Perfect Snacks. Friends, Perfect Snacks sent me a bunch of Perfect Bars in three different flavors, peanut butter, peanut butter coconut, and peanut butter chocolate chip, and they are so delicious and so much better than any other protein bar that I've had in my entire life. It's fantastic. You refrigerate the protein bars because they have the consistency of cookie dough, so you take them out of the fridge and let them melt a little bit, and oh, they're so great. They're made from freshly ground nut butter. There's up to 17 grams of whole food protein and 20 superfoods. They combine to create this cookie dough-like protein bar that is nutritious and delicious. And don't let the refrigerated thing scare you. You can take them out of the fridge and they are safe outside of it for up to a week. So it's nice just to have them in there. Grab them on the go. If you're on a camping trip and you're not going to have refrigerator access, it's not a big deal. They will be fine. Don't worry. And in addition to tasting great, they're going to make you feel great because they're non-GMO, project verified, they're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're kosher, they're low GI, and they're made in the USA. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to give it a shot, you can get 15% off your online order from Perfect Bar if you go to perf.bar slash Potterless. Again, you'll get 15% off your order for these refrigerated bars if you go to P-E-R-F dot B-A-R slash Potterless. You'll get 15% off again at perfbar.com slash Potterless. Get those perfect bars. Fuel up. Get some health. Get some protein. Don't sacrifice your taste for it while you're frantically recording podcasts today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potter. Listen, wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, so now we move on to episodes 17 through 19 of Potterless, which covered chapters 17 through 23 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. My guest for these episodes was Rosiana Hals-Rojas, and unfortunately, she is very busy with lots of things and said that she has just been turning down everything that has been asked of her of late because she's working on something big, and I know that she's working on a lot of things. So instead, this will just be a fun, quick little recap with me. I listened to these episodes, and I've found some fun little nuggets throughout them. First, I did want to thank Rosiana for being on the show. At the time when I reached out, Potterless was incredibly tiny, and Rosiana is very accomplished, so it was very nice of her to be on the show, and I'm sure she helped grow it, as did every single guest, but it was really cool, and I was very fortunate to have her on. And the episodes were fun. Going back and doing the lookbacks, I was scared to listen to old episodes of Potterless just because if the sound quality was bad or the editing was bad, it was going to crush me inside. And what I'd been doing for all these other ones was having the guests listen to it and take notes, and then they have been mostly leading the discussion. The other reason of doing that is I just don't have all the hours in the day to listen to every single one in prep for these little 15-minute calls. So for this one, I actually listened back. Yo, Potterless holds up. Potterless is good, guys. It's (laughs) I was afraid that listening to the old episodes it was going to be rough and really bad. And there's a few things listening to it that now that I've gotten better at editing, I would change whether it's the timing of things or cutting out filler words or points where I repeat myself or stutter things that I can clean up now that I didn't have the skill set to do so back then. Other than that, I think things are fine. The audio quality, once I get the new microphone is really solid. And even with the original ones, not that bad, but let's talk about these actual episodes themselves. It's so funny because the first one with Rosiana right off the bat, I'm talking about Ludo Bagman and I call him Hugo Bagman. I, have learned that this is something that the iPhone autocorrects. So when I'm reading Potterless, usually I have my phone or my laptop right next to me and I have the Apple Notes app open. Hey, editing mic here. Yes, I do realize that past Mike just said when I'm reading Potterless. That's a new one. I've called chapters episodes, but I've never called the Harry Potter series my own podcast now. Mm. All those people who said that this has gone to my head clearly are correct. <laughs> And I'll type in stuff there. And since doing this in the future, I've typed Ludo. Because now with the infamy of my Ludo Bagman incorrect prediction, I type Ludo a lot. And every now and then they try to autocorrect it to Hugo. So this is what happened here. And that's sort of fun that I messed up the name of my my best friend. (laughs) 
But what was interesting about these three episodes of Theresiana is that it started off with me having all of my eggs in the Crouch basket. I thought Crouch was guilty. I thought he was super suspect. I really thought that he, Barty Crouch Sr., was what Barty Crouch Jr. ended up being, the bad guy in the situation. I also mispronounced Karkarov as Krakarov. I go back and forth on saying it a couple of times in this episode, so apologies for butchering that one. And these episodes also have the Hermione teeth thing, which is twofold. One of which, Hermione going afterwards to make her teeth look better than they originally were, I think is amazing. And these episodes are where I really staunchly believe that Hermione is the best character in the books. This is the first time where my love of Hermione truly materialized to viewing her as the best character in the series. I even say it in the episodes a couple times that she's the best person in the whole series. But then also on the flip, you get the Snape Hermione teeth thing where he makes fun of her um, when her teeth grow out way too big. And she tells Snape this. He says, I don't notice anything different. And it's just so cruel. And I've gotten into this many times, but this is something at the time, Rosiana recording, she said this was unforgivable for him. I thought this was such a dick move and I was very against it. And just as I've gone through and through the series, it just going back to this is one of those things that just makes it really, really hard for me to like Snape. Also, this phase of Potterless was when I was saying sassy a lot, and I was saying that a lot of characters were sassy, and I was basking in the glory of the characters being so sassy. So this was kind of peak that in this episode, I was really happy about sassy Dumbledore, sassy Hermione, sassy McGonagall, sassy Harry, sassy Ron. There's a lot of sass in the fourth book in general, and this is where I really started to appreciate it, because that's when J.K. Rowling really started ramping it up, and I think she's very good at writing it. So I was very excited that this was a more prevalent theme in this portion of the series. Also, something that Rosiana revealed to me is that apparently J.K. Rowling hates writing Quidditch chapters, and it just begs the question, why do you have so many of them? Also, something in these chapters that I completely forgot is when Sirius is talking to Harry about the situation, and Harry brings up the Bertha Jorkins thing, who I also called Bertha Jockings at one point. Again, this is just me mishearing the audiobook. It's hard with British and stuff. I should have been going back to the book to double-check things, but I was going back and forth. I was really busy when I had a full-time job and stuff. I'm sorry, guys. My bad. <laughs> but Sirius talks smack about Bertha, saying, quote, I went to school with Bertha Jorkins. She is an idiot, which, oh, so savage from Sirius. The second episode that I did with Rosiana of these three is when I creeped back more into thinking Bagman might have something going on and being a little fishy. So I started off super crouch. Then I was more 50-50 Bagman crouch. And then by the end of it, I was just very confused. And then you'll see what happens in the future ones. But also something that just didn't make sense was they're doing the underwater task, which couldn't have been fun for anyone to watch because you're just looking at a lake and you have no idea what's going on. But then also afterwards, the fact that the judges are the headmasters from each of the three schools is absolutely ridiculous. They should have brought in impartial judges from the ministry or from the other schools, something. It is so wild because this is the thing where Karkarov gives Harry a four, even though he did a great job, and he gives Crumb a 10, even though he definitely made mistakes and messed up. It's very silly to me, and I don't get why they were the judges. That makes no sense. Also, there's some back and forth with Harry and Rita Skeeter in these episodes, and there's just some really fun quotes where at one point Rita asks Harry, can I have a word? And he says, yes, you can have a word. Goodbye. And that's the end of a chapter, which is incredible. It's such a terrible comeback, but it's so wonderful. I love it. 
There's also mention of a painting where you need to tickle a pear and then it opens a door. I think it's in the kitchens or something. The twins know about this. And I talked about in this episode wanting to have that all over my house where you just have to constantly tickle things to make doorknobs show up. I think that's very fun. I also in this episode said that I hope the blast-ended scroots were used as weapons against Voldemort and the Death Eaters. I obviously knew this wasn't going to happen, but I had no idea what the purpose of the scroots was. I had no idea that they were going to be in the maze, but I was really hoping that Harry used the Scroots for good. Turns out, no. Also, turns out that the official artist's rendition of Blessed Scroots is nightmare fuel, and I don't like them anymore, even though I liked them in this episode. This also was the first mention of Maturity Corner. I talked to Rosiana about how Johnny and I like to do Maturity Corner, which is bonus episodes that I've done on Potterless, where we play the Harry Potter movie and we just talk over it. It's like if director's commentary was not helpful and it was just two dudes making very poor puns over and over and over again and cracking each other up. So those are the first mention of that, and it's funny that that now is an integral aspect of the Potterless Patreon bonus episodes. Again, in this episode, I talked about wanting a Weasley sweater. Rosiana mentioned that she had one of the official ones from Universal Studios, and I expressed my desire for wanting a Weasley sweater, and shout out to Charity Williamson, who ended up following through and giving me a Weasley sweater. She has an Etsy shop. If you want to see me wearing it, you can go to the Potterless Instagram and go to March 27th, and there's a picture of me in the Weasley sweater, and I'm very happy. And speaking of the Weasleys, in this episode, I mentioned that I just want Fred and George to succeed. This is when they're starting to lay the groundwork of making what eventually becomes Weasleys wizarding wheezes. And I expressed my desire for no matter what happens in the series, just that those two end up having a wonderful future. And they do. And I'm sure George is still doing great. But mm, my guy, Fred, uh, poor one out forever in my heart. I love you, Fred. I'm so sorry. But your joke shop will live on. George is going to do his best. You're in good hands. And finally, by the end of this episode, I was far more towards Bagman being guilty than it was at Crouch. What made me 50-50 was when Rita Skeeter said some dirt about Ludo Bagman, saying that he wasn't a great wizard and he's had some sketchy stuff. And then there's the whole trial thing. So that was what made me a little more suspect of Bagman. And then by the end of it, there's something where Crouch is reported as sick. So Percy shows up to some stuff in his place for the trials or tournament. And my thought was that... Crouch was sick because Bagman did something to him to get him out of the way so that he could do evil stuff. So by the end of these three episodes, I was more leaning towards Bagman and oh baby. It's been really fun to do this particular look back and just see my whole transition of this process. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, that pretty much covers these three episodes. So now we'll move on to the next one with an actual guest. Yay. Okay. So now we move on to episodes 21 and 22 of Potterless, which covered chapters 24 through 30 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And I was joined by someone who I had not talked to at all before, but now have talked to and met with multiple times, Melissa Anelli from Mischief Management, as well as Pottercast and so many other things. Melissa, how's it going? Hello. It's, I talk to you all the time now. It's, it's, uh, I can't know. get rid of me. <laughs> the way it works. You're in the same city. We end up recording things in person together. We're on the same stages. Yeah. Mischief might end up in your building. The whole thing. Oh, I heard. I'm very. I, <laughs> I would love it. We'd be neighbors. It'd be very cool. No, it's um. When we recorded, you were quite you know tiny. still very successful, but like 
way more now. <laughs> it's not about numbers. <laughs> Sometimes with podcasts, I guess it is about numbers, but still, it was a whole different world. Yeah, everything was very different. It was funny listening back just to see like how our Harry Potter conversations have changed because at the time, I was only part of the way done with the fourth book and you had to be very reserved about not giving spoilers and it was so fun to hear you have to use restraint to not spoil things. Yeah. And now, when we have Harry Potter conversations at LeakyCon or at other places, we're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where we are going so in-depth about everything that our brains start to hurt. And it's so fun. Yeah. I'm going to put Pottercast List live up on the Pottercast feed soon, <gasps> by the way. Oh, how do I get the audio from LeakyCon? I will. I, I'll send it to you. I don't even okay. have it yet. <laughs> Somebody here has it. I'll get it from them. And- so as far as these two episodes, you listened back, I listened back. Was there anything in particular that jumped out at you as being particularly funny or interesting or just silly to look back on two years later? I think you said that Rita Skeeter was the worst person in the entire series or something. These particular two episodes had a wide range of me thinking that people were the worst. Mm -hmm. Rita Skeeter was definitely one of them. Dobby was also one of them, as was Percy. I had three separate rants about all three of them. Percy, that's the one. It was Percy. (laughs) It was Percy who you said, and I was like, oh, God, wait. <laughs> I made the claim that Percy is worse than Voldemort in this episode. That is exactly, that's it. And I remember when I re-listened, I was like, mm, hmm, not sure I agree, but cool. Look, we need to separate Percy from Chris Rankin because Chris is wonderful. Chris, Chris is, is wonderful. Oh, and you also had a view on Snape that still holds up. Yes. So now you know the whole story with Snape and... Mm-hmm. All those things are still true, and he is still a reprehensible human being. Right. That was the exact quote you said, is that Snape, sure, he has done good things, but he's a reprehensible human, and just because you do good things doesn't make you a good person. No, and I think that's actually something I like a lot about, you know, people sometimes talk about hating Snape like it's a stain on the series, and I actually think somebody who's a really bad person, you still recognize that they still did these amazing things. Like, having complex thoughts about a person is not inherently bad thing. Right. It's not that I think that Snape is a bad character. I think he's interesting. I think me just being anti-Snape is that there's so many people out there that want to defend Snape. Yes. And I don't I don't get why. I think Umbridge is an incredible character, but you don't see people out here trying to defend Umbridge. I think Voldemort is incredibly compelling as well. You don't see people out here trying to defend Voldemort. So the fact that there's so many people that want to defend Snape is weird to me yeah. because he's He's bad. (laughs) So Snape factors in some delusional dreams. There's this trope of he's just misunderstood. It's because he was abused. And it goes sort of hand in hand with like the idea that the love of a good person can change all that. And so maybe it's the idea of, well, if Lily had loved him. But you know what? At some point you own your choices. And there's no two ways about it. And the chapters or near the chapters we talked about, he made fun of Hermione's appearance. And that's just, you know, the end. You don't make fun of a 14-year-old's physical appearance. No, for no reason. He has no reason to dislike her. And I think the thing is, he did have a bad upbringing, and I'm not trying to discredit that at all, but no one forced him to join the Death Eaters. Mm-mm. And Harry also had a bad upbringing. He turned out all right. Right. Sirius had a really rough go of it. He turned out all right. Yeah. So Harry literally grew up in a closet. Right? Like, literally. So I think it can explain his actions, but I don't think it justifies them. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes it's, it's not. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I'm, I'm floundering just thinking of all the many ways that Snape was very, very bad to people. Yeah. And I get it, but. 
it's also like the beautiful thing about the story is that there it is, right? You have people who grew up. Harry says when he's walking into the forest, he's thinking and he's thinking about how Hogwarts was the home of all the lost boys. Voldemort, him, Snape, all the people who didn't have family Mm -hmm. and didn't have a good upbringing. Um, They found a home at Hogwarts and all those people made all these very different choices. Voldemort, all the way bad. Snape, in the middle. Harry, all the way good. And it just shows that if all those people had, you know, similarly bad upbringings, then you can't blame their upbringings for the choices that they make. It's at some point you're presented with all the information and you make a choice to hurt or not to hurt. And when you make a choice to hurt, that's that's where you land. That's a really fun way to look at it. I've never thought of it that way of putting those three together and then Voldemort and Harry at the end are at the other ends of the spectrum and Snape's in the middle. I think that's a more helpful way to think about those. I'm glad you said that. I feel great. accomplished a thing. (laughs) As far as other things in this episode, I did learn about one thing. We both were disappointed with the movie adaptation of Moody's magical eye being a strap-on bionic looking thing. Still true. Someone emailed me and said that because at the time CGI effects were harder to do the way that they filmed it was they just put that strap on with like a green screen thing over the eye the whole time and it made it easier to make the effects and make it more noticeable. So that's why they did that. I still don't think it's great, but that's at least the justification. (laughs) They had Quidditch and Dragons and, you know, I'm I'm sure it was hard, but... I feel like it could have been better. I've recently been watching the old movies Mm -hmm. because I'm doing the movie episodes and the Quidditch CGI is rough in the first two movies. Oh, I have to go watch. Oh, it's bad. Some things have aged really well. Some things still look really nice. But the Quidditch stuff, I think it's just anytime you CGI a human or something on a human, that's really Mm -hmm. hard Mm because it's I'm trying to there's a name for it where it's the uh, some sort of thing where it's approaching being human-like, but if it's only slightly off, then it's gross. Right, yeah. Hey, editing my cure. This was on the tip of my tongue and I couldn't remember it, so once we finished recording, I googled it. This is called the Uncanny Valley. According to very reputable website Wikipedia, it says in aesthetics, the Uncanny Valley is a hypothesized relationship between the degree of an object's resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to such an object. The concept of the Uncanny Valley suggests that humanoid objects, which imperfectly resemble actual human beings, provoke uncanny any or strangely familiar feelings of eeriness and revulsion in observers. So yeah, just a more articulate way to explain what Melissa and I were trying to get at. I think just anything involving CGI and a human stands out more. So when you see what is clearly an all CGI person being a goalie in Quidditch, it looks rough. Oh, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. So clearly the, the, <laughs> the CGI goal is, is the terrifying. CGI keeper. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. We'll give him that one. Like fine. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I feel like it could have looked a little bit more magical, even if it, but instead it just looked like a, a, a strap, which right. even like the muggle version of this is less obtrusive. Sure. <laughs> you know? sure, sure, sure. The other fun things about these two episodes is that it was a lot of looking back on these was especially funny because it's stuff that none of it aged really well. So I was very strong on the Dobby hate and you were dying inside Mm -hmm. because you couldn't say anything, Mm -hmm. which was very funny. But then also something a little more minor is that you had talked about the Patronus thing and this was the first mention you had brought up like your Patronus can switch based on your lover mm-hmm. I think this is awful and I really don't like it at all but in the episode when you told me that I was like oh that's really cool I like that <laughs> and now I hate it wait you hate it you don't you don't like that a Patronus can change I don't mind that it can change I just don't like that I don't like that it seems like all Patronuses go together I think if they mm-hmm. change it's okay but more of the fact that 
Lily and James have the doe and the stag. And then even Ron and Hermione with the otter and the Jack Russell Terrier, because apparently Jack Russell Terriers chase otters. <laughs> it makes me think there's this world where you would go on a first date with someone and someone would ask, what's your Patronus? And you would say a bullfrog. And they'd say, what's yours? And they'd be like an emu. It's like, ah, sorry, not going to work. I'll see you later. Well, but <laughs> if you go continue going on dates with that person and then you fall in love, what are your Patroni then? You have no idea. They could change. I guess. I don't think it necessarily is that they're matched. And I don't think that your Patronus only changes based on who you love. It just, if a significant change happens in your life, it can change based on that change. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. I think that would be cool. It'd be fun to see someone's change, not based on love, just on something. Yeah. But I, I just think that Patronuses should be more of like an individual thing. So when there's some sort of dependence on another person, I think it's a little less fun. I think it should just be you. Well, it's supposed to be your per- the thing that you perceive as your protector. And for most people, that's a person. But I suppose in a weird world where a muggle grew up with in the future with a robot protector, <laughs> maybe the Patronus would be a robot. <laughs> Why is Hermione's an otter? Did she go to the zoo and have a great time? <laughs> I don't, you know, it's it's an interesting, I, I have no, I, I do remember when learning all these animal shapes maybe it's that in the absence of an actual figure in your life that you perceive as a protector it just gets tied into the protective parts of your personality and how you act so if hermione's is that she's you know curious and playful and all that and has pockets let me tell you about hermione and pockets (laughs) she definitely has pockets she doesn't go anywhere without pockets she's a pockets girl Uh, and of course, the most famous thing from this episode, the second episode we did, has the infamous, <laughs> I definitely think it's Ludo Bagman, claim where I really put my foot yeah. in the ground. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you keeping it together and not just bursting out laughing in my face. But it's been really funny doing this particular set of look back episodes of Potterless because these past four or so guests was the eight episode span where I was just constantly going back and forth. <laughs> and then with you on this episode, with the trial of Ludo Bagman, I was like, this is it. This has to be him. I know it. Yep. Yep. Listen, Joe is really, really good at a red herring. She, she got me in glorious fashion. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. I think there was something I did spoil you about in these. If it did, it went over my head. I, there was something about wanting Myrtle, I think, or something about Rita Skeeter. Oh, so one thing that happened, which you were justified to react this way, I misinterpreted something that Barty Crouch Jr. disguised as Moody said. He said, I hate to see Death Eaters roam free. Yes. And I thought he was talking about Rita Skeeter because they had just talked about Rita beforehand, but he was actually talking about Snape. So you didn't really spoil anything. It was just, okay. I had this weird hunch where I thought that Rita was a Death Eater and you corrected me. <laughs> Listen, listening back, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have told them. I like took somebody off the board for him. <laughs> no, it was totally fine because it was less of me suspecting her and it was me just completely misinterpreting it. I said, this reveals that Rita Skeeter is a Death Eater which is surprising. And you were like, no, 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 (laughs) (laughs) which is good because some problems with earlier episodes of Potterless is that I would just say something wrong. And then people out of fear of spoilers wouldn't say anything. And then people would write in and say, oh my gosh, your guests didn't know anything. It's like, no, they know it. It's just a really tricky situation for them to be in. So they err on the side of not correcting me. Oh, I've recently been reminded that if you want to get an iTunes review or if you want to get an email or if you want to get interaction, you should be wrong. (laughs) Because people 
love and can't wait to tell you one person like very nicely gave us like a five-star itunes review and then was like and the whole review was about what thing we said in podcast that was wrong last week hey at least they gave you five stars that's what i'm saying that's okay i have literally gotten people leave me one star reviews because i pronounced jk rolling incorrectly rolling like bowling that so was, was like, my thing that was the thing one star review title was rolling like bowling he says the wait name they wrong said rolling like me. bowling they, that was like the name of the review do you know that that's me like i i initiated that oh that's you it's so funny so i said oh, it i said whoa. this on cnn in like 2002 so the person asked me and they were like wait is it rolling i was like nope it's rolling like bowling and that phrase is gonna be in my obituary that's incredible i had no idea that you did that we were at an event that john stewart was introducing jk rowling and he said rowling and i heard from the rafters somebody yell at him rowling like bowling and he heard it and then there was another time i was on the phone with somebody from warner brothers and literally we were talking about something else and he said what is this rolling like bowling thing I'm like what are you talking about he's like i just got an email <laughs> that there's something out there about rolling like bowling I'm like yeah i said that he's like Okay. It was just so, this thing has gotten, so I love it. I love that it's become, it's like haunting you now. It's great. You got to make that a registered trademark. I'm sure that registering a trademark with JK Rowling's name will go fine for uh, me. Because <laughs> Warner Brothers is super chill. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. know good point good point <laughs> but <laughs> but we're putting a stake in it we're letting people know <laughs> but only only until very recently have i fully committed to the rolling like bowling because i had like heard of it i didn't know if that was a correct or b that you said it <laughs> but enough people eventually told me so i feel like ever since finishing the books i've i've gotten to the point where if i say rowling incorrectly i will retake it on the audio where before i was That's just funny. nah, whatever but now now you know i'm a true harry potter fan because i say rolling and i'm good <laughs> well i think real world people have a right to tell you how to say their name and i think we have a right to pronounce a fictional character's name any way we want Ooh, i like it has jk ever come out and explicitly said like hey everyone's saying my name wrong no i think she has commented once that it was just like like it's funny that nobody seems to be able to get like everybody in america we pronounce it you know wrong yeah she hasn't seemed to be particularly perturbed i think in the rise and when it, she was getting famous everybody everybody called her rowling because she was not famous enough for them to check mm. but she was getting famous and they were doing stories on her so they were just saying rowling and all these news stories and it just sort of stuck yeah i think that's what really happened to me with recording it was that over the course of the podcast i still in my brain knew mm -hmm. that it was correct as rowling but mm -hmm. just when you hear jk rowling my mm -hmm. entire Enough. life yeah. it's just hard to break that down it's it's less so of a mispronunciation thing and more of just my brain associates with reading that word as that way and saying it that way and it's just hard to fight it but over the course of this span of doing the podcast i have conquered it and now i Amazing. say rolling <laughs> fantastic oh man well melissa thanks so much for joining what a perfect way to end this little look back is the big revelation that you are the key pronunciation guide <laughs> to jk that's me listen if you all you had to do whether you're not sure whether or not it's right ask if i said it nice. yep there it is <laughs> Well, uh, it was so fun having you on the show back then. Didn't you buy a Yeti or something and then immediately return it because you didn't have a microphone? Didn't that happen with the recording? I did. I was cat sitting for my friend Anthony and I went to the nearby like uh, b and or whatever or whatever store and I bought a microphone and then brought it back right after we recorded. <laughs> 
I was so flattered by that because at the time, Potterless was not a big thing at all. And the fact that you had that dedication not to just think, ah, I'll record on my crappy laptop microphone or oh. use my phone or whatever. The dedication, I remember thinking, this lady's awesome. <laughs> I like this Melissa person. <laughs> this is the result of recording so many years with crappy audio and the Plantronics headset from back in 2005 is that you get so scarred by bad podcast audio that you're committed Mm -hmm. to making sure it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. That's very true. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining on back then. And thank you now for being a good friend slash colleague slash hopefully down the hallway neighbor at the, oh, where the Multitudio is at. It could be super fun. You have no idea. We're just going to come over with wine at five o'clock every day and it's going to be a party. Oh, no, that sounds so bad. Sounds terrible, right? <laughs> that's going to yeah. be awful. Ugh, terrible. What happened to the neighborhood? <laughs> Oh man, so I will uh, I'll see you sometime soon. I'll see you at LeakyCon in like a month. Oh god, that's very soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, we're gonna have some fun. It's gonna be great. Okay. Hey, editing Mike here. That's gonna be the end of this look back episode, but I'm excited to do the next one next week. These have been really fun and we're getting closer to the present, so it's very exciting. But until then, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they tie their shoes, wizard on! <laughs> If me and Jake talking about the Potterless community got you really excited, there's a really great neck of the community that is the Potterless Discord. For $2 and above patrons at patreon.com slash Potterless, you get access to the Discord, which has a ton of channels from asking questions of me to discussing the new episodes to sharing pictures of your pet in Kingsley Shacklebolt's corner. All sorts of fun stuff there. If you sign up for a $2 or above tier at patreon.com slash Potterless, you get access to the Potterless Discord. It's very fun. I love it. Powerless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Lopu, Frank Chioto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa Sikin, Romina Rivadanira, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Rosa and Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Takari Arant, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Wither, Ross Marie Heisa, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingen Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consolver, John Codker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donifont, Ali Cap 29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Friday J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latchaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Coltham, Carrie D. Bagson, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Surjan Thanme Gupta, Netta Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Matt Sferly, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zina Rosnowski, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Sheldark, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Skymart Six, Sarah Shetter, Peter Vostanak, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryan, Christina Walton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Callahan, and Daris, Christy, Lily Leader, Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Sira Scarsfjord, Georgia, Vilay Donner, Itzel Aime Ayala, Mitch Williams, Al Vega, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Ulesian, Ellie Hoskovchova, Kelly Maynard, Luban Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Rebecca Todd, Lee Lili, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lika Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mum Make Them For You, Cara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Andrea, Courtney Telfer, Galactic Sparkle Cat, Carrie Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Lissy, Camilo Garcia, Connie Bienkowski, 
Janet Noel Dettili, Mary Matille, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Wendt, Mylan Ilstad Johansson, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Huser, Zephyr Lawrence, Artemis Peters, Brett Clausen, Connor Snell, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermione Snape, Liar Nakam, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Melena Brandy, Marco Zepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Courtney Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Brittany Gutierrez, Ashton Gabrielson, Steamed Nuggets, Can't I Potter? And yes, I can. Web design by Kelly Beckman, audio assistance from Brandon Grugel, and the music is by Bettina Campamanes. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For more information on the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. For merchandise, you can go to bit.ly slash merch on. And for bonus episodes and bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, wizard on!